Well, hello, God bless. Welcome back again to the Bible teaching channel of A Love Outreach. My name is Dave Nelson. We are here once again for our Wednesday night live session. Um, beautiful day here in Arizona. If you want to let me know where you're watching from as well. And once again, as I like to say, those of you that watch the recorded version of this or listen to the recorded audio version of this, you can also let us know where you're watching from um, or listening from by emailing us or going to our website and filling out our contact form. Aloveoutreach.com is our website. Or you can email me directly at dave at aloveoutreach.com if you have any questions or anything we can pray for you about. And if you are watching tonight and you do have any prayer requests, um, let me know as well in the comment section and I'll be glad to pray for you or someone else in your life that you know. Uh, tonight, I am going to go ahead and start to read from the Gospel of John chapter 6. So if you are in a position where you can do so, you can grab a Bible and follow along with me. There's a lot of verses here. Um, but this has been um, big time on my mind lately, this chapter. So I'm just going to kind of go ahead and read through it and see how far we get with it. Um, hello, Kevin. Watching. How you doing? From New Jersey. Good to have you here. Hello to all the family. Hopefully all the family's doing well. I know your son had a little surgery. Uh, hopefully he's recovered well been praying for him. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and uh, read from John chapter 6. Um, it says, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. So here we see a situation where people were becoming followers of Jesus based on the works that he was doing. They were seeing what he was doing and they were intrigued and they were following him. The question is, is where were they in their hearts? And you'll see as we go along in this chapter here um, that that's going to be the real question about these people that were followers of Jesus at this time, physically following him as he's walking around the earth in his earthly ministry, doing many miracles and signs and wonders and things like that. But we, we see clearly right here in verse two that they followed him because of this. So, and it says, and Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said, Philip, Philip was one of his, his disciples there. He said, Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he did, or this he said to test him. So he was testing Philip here for, it says for he himself, that is Jesus, knew what he would do. He knew what he was going to do. Philip answered, well, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. So there's a multitude of people, right? A lot of people. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, well, there is a lad here who 
has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among many? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. So that's 5,000 men, okay? Not counting the women and children and such that might've been there as well. And Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those that were sitting down. And likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted, okay? So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled the 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this truly is the prophet who is to, who is to come into the world. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. So I've commented on this before, but actually, you know, I've t I teach so much. I'm not sure whether it was on a Wednesday night thing like this that I talked about this or not. But Jesus wasn't here to be the type of king that they wanted him to be. He wasn't here to be their genie in the bottle. He wasn't here to be their political leader. You know, none of that kind of stuff. That wasn't why he came. And as we read on, we're going to, again, we're going to get to the heart of the matter here as to why Jesus came and what he was trying to do when he was here. Okay. So he, Jesus took off when he perceived they, they wanted to force him to be king. Right now, when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat and went over the sea of Capernaum. And it was already dark and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose because of a great wind was blowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat. And they were afraid. They Then they willingly received him into the boat and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. Now we're reading from the Gospel of John here. There's four Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each one of them gives a piece of the story. Some of them have, it's, have the duplicate stories here. Hey, Gwen, thanks for being here. Good to have you again. You know, but in each one, you can see like you might go look at another one of the gospels and you get more to the story here, you know, as they were afraid and they thought they were seeing a ghost or something like that. They didn't, a spirit, they didn't know what they were seeing. But here, John's just jumping right to the point and it says they, that they re willingly received Jesus into the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. So here they go from this great storm, the wind's starting to blow, the sea's rising and all that. Jesus gets on the boat and boom, immediately they're at the dry land and everything's good. And I have talked about that in the past, you know, when we looked at another scripture um, about the storm where Jesus was on the boat with them and he's sleeping on the boat and you get a whole different picture of the story, that story there as well, as far as what Jesus does, you know, in that story. But here, immediately they're on the dry land. And, you know, I kind of think that too, it's like a life that you go through life without Jesus 
quote, in your boat or in your life or not as the captain of your ship. And, you know, it's, it's completely different. It's completely more peaceful and calm. And, you know, knowing the will of God is something that, um, that, you know, will bless your life when you have Jesus on board with you in the boat. You know, so on the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except that one which his disciples had entered and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into the boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. So here again, here are these people following Jesus, but what's the reason they're following Jesus? They're following Jesus for his ability to feed them, to, you know, turn, you know, a couple loaves of bread and a couple fish into enough to feed thousands of people. But this wasn't what Jesus was about. Yes, he was showing his power here. He was proving who he was. But this isn't what a true follower of Jesus is about, just going to Jesus to get what you want out of life. Going to Jesus to, to, again, to try to make him your genie in a bottle, you know, where you get whatever you want. Now, that's not what following Jesus is about. And let me read on here. There's a lot of verses I'm going to read tonight. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, And here's where he's going to point out the reason they're seeking him, right? He says, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. In other words, you got your belly full. You got your desires filled. You got what you want. And that's why you're coming after me. And Jesus says in verse 27, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which also, or excuse me, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set him, set his seal on him. In other words, Jesus has been approved by God to come to the earth, to give everlasting life, to bring the kingdom of God, to bring And the kingdom of God is within you where you have love and peace and joy and you have the spirit of the Lord that's working within your life. Okay, that's what the Lord comes to do. And you'll hear me talk about that a lot, right? It's about what he's doing internally. But verse 28 says, then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. In other words, this is what it's all about. This is why I came, that you would believe in me, that you would place your life in me, that, that, that my spirit would come in you. And, and you'll see um, as I go on why I say that. Therefore, they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? I mean, th- that's funny to me, right? He just took a couple loaves of bread a couple fish, right? A few few bread, few fish, and turned it in enough to feed thousands. And now they want to know, what more can you do for me, Jesus? What have you done for me lately, right? What else can I get out of you? 
you know, there's an old saying, right? Poor men want to be rich. Rich men want to be king. And a king ain't satisfied till he rules everything, right? There's just, you just constantly of wantingness, there is no end, right? But that's not the reason to come to the Lord. It's not about what you can get. It's about surrendering your life to him, surrendering your inner life to him. Again, I'm not talking about you have to go off and be a missionary. You have to be a pastor. You have to even this kind of thing I'm doing here. You know, it's not about that. It's about where is your heart? Where is your heart today? Our fathers, they go on to say, our fathers ate manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So they're pointing Jesus back to a time when you know the Israelites were wandering through the desert for all of those years and God provided manna from heaven, bread from heaven on the land that they could have to eat. God was showing himself faithful to them. But Jesus says to them here, most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. That's what it's about. It's about this eternal life that Jesus has. Jesus called it abundant life. He said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And that abundance comes from the depths of your heart. It comes from what is within you. Hello, Kevin. Good to see you again here, brother. Watching from Gettysburg, I assume. So then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. But what were they thinking? Well, we're going to find out later what they were thinking. Like, were they really getting it here? Were they really understanding that Jesus was talking to them about who they are internally? You know, about changing them on the inside, about having his life within them. The, the, when I say his life within them, you know, where, we're, where we act like the Lord ourselves and we love like the Lord ourselves and we care about others like the Lord did, like we can read about him and we have the spirit of the Lord in us, the mind of Christ within us, where we're thinking on things that are good, you know, and we're, we're, we're looking to, to, do, to do good to others, to, to love one another, to get along with one another and all of that kind of stuff. This is what a true follower of Jesus is really all about, right? But there are many people in the world today that are like the people that we're reading about here where they just come to religion or they just come to, quote, faith in Jesus, what they call their faith in Jesus, but they're just trying to get something more out of out of this material life that's here. Maybe they want a better house. Maybe they want a better car and they believe a gospel that maybe you see preached on the television, you know, from preachers that say, oh yeah, that's what it's all about, you know, and they, they spin the, the words of the Bible into such a, a tangled web that it confuses people and they don't really get to the meat of the matter. That's why I say to you and when I teach people, I say, get, get your Bible, follow along with me, Read it for yourself. Make sure you see what's being said here. Okay, I'm just kind of taking what's being said and then just expounding on it, as they say, right? Just opening it up a little bit, giving some analogies around it and things like that, giving you some things to think about, right? But verse 35 says, and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. 
He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Now, you may remember, or may, maybe you've not read it, but in the Gospel of John, chapter 4, the same Gospel we're reading here tonight, but in chapter 4, Jesus meets the woman at the well, right? And he speaks into this woman's life things that she can't believe he knew. First of all, the fact that he would speak to her at all for the type of woman that she was and the reputation that she had, right, was amazing to her. But he, he said to her, you know, if, if you drink of the water that I give to you, you'll never thirst. Now here he's talking about, he's using the analogy of, I am the bread of life. In other words, everything you need, the sustenance that you need to get through this life and to get to eternal life, and to live throughout all eternity with God, our creator, everything you need is found within Jesus. He is that bread, okay? And he says in um, verse 36, but I said to you that you have seen me and you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me and the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Anybody can come to the Lord. You don't have to go through some religion. You don't have to go through a certain church denomination or non-denomination or all that. You know, those things, you know, if you find a church, you find a place with other believers to fellowship, great. But I'm talking about coming to Jesus and just giving your life to him and having that life, that abundant life that he wants you to have. That is something, again, within you. Right. Jesus said, anyone can come to me. And by no means, I'll, I wouldn't cast them out. He's not going to turn you away. doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. If you're ready, if you're ready and you're willing to come to the Lord and you're, you're willing to say, you know what? Okay, I've lived X number of years of my life doing things my way, the way I want it to be done. And it's been all about me. But now I'm going to change that. And that's just between you and the Lord. That's just between you and the Lord, you coming to, the, to Christ in that, in that manner, right? He says here in verse 38, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will. So in other words, Jesus didn't come to establish a church, establish uh, you know, a religion. I shouldn't say a church because the true church, as the Bible speaks of the church, he did establish, and that is the body of Christ. That is all of those that believe in Jesus Christ from any part of the world, all over the world. We're all members of that church if you have faith in Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, okay? But he didn't come to be some political leader himself, okay? He said, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, he says, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. So there is going to be a last day. There is going to be a time when we will be absent from these bodies and present with the Lord. May happen in our lifetime, may not. We don't know. A day with the Lord is as a thousand years, the scripture tells us and a thousand years as a day. And no man knows that time or that day. It's amazing to me how many people follow people who predict, oh, the Lord's coming back on this day or that day or at this time or at this year. I mean, there was a book written, you know, uh, what was it called? 88 Reasons Why the Lord's Coming Back in 1988 or something. I, I don't know. There's been all kinds of things like that. Hello, Becky. Thanks for watching. 
So, yeah, you know, yeah, there was there was the guy that put the billboards up all over the country and all of that kind of stuff. That day is coming, but we don't know when it is. But that's up. That's in the in the hands of the Lord, right? And this is the will of him who sent me, verse 40 says, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So then verse 41 says, the Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph? So that's how they knew him, right? He was the son of Joseph, the carpenter, right? Even though we know the story of Jesus, right? We know how Mary became pregnant, right? It wasn't through Joseph, but yet Jesus was, you know, Jesus is now 30 years old thereabouts, right? And he's walking on the earth and he's doing all of this stuff. He's forming all of this, but they didn't believe in him. They didn't believe he was who he said he was. They didn't believe, as he said, he came down from the father. You know, so they're saying, this is the son of Joseph. Isn't he this carpenter? You know, and other gospels say, don't we know his brothers and sisters and all that? We, we see his whole family here. Who, who does he think he is, Right. And he says, whose father and mother we know, the Jews say. How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? And so a lot of people, you know, are skeptics today. Now, remember, I don't know if you remember a few weeks back or whenever it was, I talked about kind of, um, what was that word? Um, I can't even think of what I said now, but, you know, how skepticism can be good, right? Where can, there, you can have, it's okay to be a skeptic, but as long as you're willing to go find out, as long as you're willing to seek the Lord and ask him, as long as you're willing to get into the word of God and find out who this Jesus really is, I mean, that's okay, right? But these, but these people that are questioning him here didn't want nothing to do with him, and ultimately they're going to kill him, we know, right? And Jesus therefore answered and said to them, do not murmur among yourselves, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day. You know, God, here's what I've seen just in my 37 years of walking with the Lord is that I'm always amazed by how like kind of all of a sudden, sometimes, you know, people that maybe I've talked to in the past and they know where I stand, they know who I am, you know, in the Lord and all of that, you know, and they don't want nothing to do with it. They don't want to hear anything about it. And I'm not pushy on it. I do this type of thing, you know, but, um, but, but I'm always amazed how, how many of those people over a period of time will come to me and say, okay, what about this? Tell me about this or tell me about that. And that's what Jesus is saying here. This is the work of the father in people's life to do this. I mean, I really believe that anybody that's listening to this, you know, recording or this audio or, or video, whatever the case may be, right? I believe if you're taking the time to listen to this for this long, then something's pricking at your heart. Maybe there's a little bit of curiosity within you that just says, well, wait a minute, who is this Jesus really, right? And that's the work of the Father. That's the work of the Spirit of God within you, right? And verse 45 goes on to say, it is written in the prophets and they shall be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me, Jesus said. 
Not that anyone has seen the Father, except he who is from God, he has seen the Father. He's speaking of himself, right? This is going to, this probably infuriates them even more. We don't believe in who he is, but now he's saying he's seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, Jesus says in verse 47, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. So he's stating this again. This is the life you need. You see, all of us are born, obviously, with a life, right? We're all living this life right now. But the Bible speaks to the fact that we must be born again. Jesus said that himself in John chapter 3. You must be born again. You must be born again of the Spirit. And I've talked about that in the past, and I have some other teachings out there on that if you want to listen to them. But, you know, so... Jesus is saying here, um, not, in, not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Jesus is pointing out something very strongly here, that this is the life that you need. His life within you. Your fathers, he said, ate man in the wilderness and are dead. So they're bringing up their, you know, their forefathers and stuff and the manna that they ate and all that. But he said, they're dead. That bread didn't give them everlasting life. That bread didn't give them eternal life. No food we eat. Many people do many things to try and stay alive as long as they can on the earth here. And, you know, you, you eat this food, you eat that food, you take vitamins and you don't do this and you don't do that. You, you want to take care of your body and all of that kind of stuff. But the bottom line is we're all headed the same way, right? It's a 100%, you know, fact that we're going to die if the Lord don't take us out of here before that time comes, right? So this is the bread which comes down from heaven, Jesus says, that one may eat of it and not die. So now he's talking about something else here. Again, he's talking about something spiritual. You'll see that as we go on, and that's what I'm working my way down toward here, right? But you're going, you're not going to die if you're in Christ. You're going to pass from this life onto eternal life, but, but you're not going to experience death and separation from God for all eternity, right? He says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh. So he says, I'm going to die for you. This is how, this is how you're going to know, be able to have eternal life. I'm going to lay down my life for you. And he says, which my flesh, he says, which I shall give for the life of the world. In other words, that you might have life. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. This is the life that Jesus offers. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, verse 52 says, saying, how can this man give, this man give us his flesh to eat? Now they're really getting weirded out, right? With Jesus because they're not thinking about things spiritually. They're all about, oh, you know, let's make him king because he can, you know, come up with all the food we need. Let's make him king because he can heal people that are sick. Let's make him king so that we can get our way and we can have what we want. But that's not what Jesus came for. 
right? Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat my flesh, or excuse me, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So again, this is weird. This is not this is, but this is not what it's all about, right? Let's read on. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. That's what the answer is right there. You abiding in Christ. To abide means to take up your residency, right? To take up your residence, to give your life to Christ, and his life is within you. That's what he's talking about when he's talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, it's being consumed with him, all right? As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. In other words, Jesus, again, is to be your sustenance, right? Which you, the foundation of your life, and how do we do that? Well, we do that by making the foundation of our life his words and obeying, living in obedience to his words. Not just, you know, like we're reading the word tonight, we're reading the Bible tonight, you know, but it's not about really just reading it and, and memorizing it because there are many people that quote the scriptures but then live contrary to it. But what it's about is abiding in Christ where you actually live everyday life in accordance with the way he wants you to live and the way his spirit within you will lead you to live. He says, this is, in verse 58, this is the bread of life which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead, he who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of the disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? You know why? Because they weren't spiritually minded. They weren't thinking in the way that Jesus was teaching them. And this isn't the first time that he was trying to show them this kind of thing. Verse 61 says, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said, does this offend you? What then you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? So in other words, well, if what I'm teaching you bothers you, what are you going to do when I'm gone if you don't understand this? Because I'm he knew he was going to be gone. He had a three-year period of time for his ministry, his earthly ministry here. I mean, I mean, he was here until he was 33, but it was like basically three years from the time of that he was baptized by John and doing all the works that he did. You know, and the amazing thing about that is is John, the apostle John said, if all the things that Jesus did and said were to be written down. He said, I suppose all the books in the world couldn't contain it. In other words, he's saying there was a bunch. There was a lot that Jesus did, okay? But he's like, what are you going to do when I'm gone? I mean, you can't handle that. You can't understand these things. You can't grasp this right now when I'm here. What are you going to do when I'm gone? He says, and here's the key verse, verse 63. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. So there we see. That it's not, it's not about eating his flesh, drinking his blood. It's not about having, you know, all the food you need to eat and, you know, having a political king over you and all of that kind of stuff. He says it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh 
profits nothing. He says, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So it's a spiritual matter. It's a matter of what's going on within you, who you are in your heart. In verse 64, but there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that did not believe and who would betray him. Right, so he knew there was someone going to betray him, namely Judas, right? And he said, therefore I said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. So listen to this, verse 66, John 6, 66. From that time, many of his, of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. So all these multitude of people turned into just a few people. There were the 12 that were still left, of course. But many other people that said they were followers of Jesus, when they realized what it was about, when they, and, and he gave them the bottom line there in verse um, 63, that it's a spiritual matter. It's not about me being your political king. It's not about me giving you all the material things that you want or even good health. It's not about any of that. But Jesus turns to his 12 and he says to them in verse 67, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And I can testify to you that after walking with the Lord and knowing the word of the Lord as I do, knowing the eternal life he gives me, knowing what he does within my heart, I don't have nowhere else to go. I have, I mean, no desire to turn away from the Lord, no desire to join this religion or that religion or whatever the case may be. I just want to know, I just want to continue to know the Lord. I just want to continue to walk with him. And he gives life. He gives eternal life to whoever, whosoever will can call on the name of the Lord. You can call out to the Lord tonight. I'm going to go ahead and finish out the chapter since there's just a few more verses. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So they knew, Peter's testifying here, we know who you are. Yes, we've seen what you've done. We've seen the works that you've done. But we know who you are in our hearts. So Jesus answered him, answered them, did I not choose you, the 12, and one of you is a devil? So here he's bringing up the fact that, again, that he's going to be betrayed. He spoke this of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the 12. So there you go, 71 verses of scripture that we just went through right there. But I really want to exhort you and encourage you to seek the Lord yourself. And what is this that the Lord has for you? This abundant life, this way of life that he wants to lead you through the rest of your life in. I encourage you that you can call out to him, you can seek him. And he will by no means like we read, cast you away, okay? So, 
God bless. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. But um, we'll go ahead and call it a night tonight. If uh, if you did have any questions, I'm going to hang out here just for a minute, just in case you do, because I'll be glad. My wife's raising her hand. <laughs> I have a question. I have a question. So all those people that left, do you think it was because they didn't like what he said or they didn't understand what he said? I think they didn't like what he said. Because they were they were staunch about their religion, and you could tell by the way they were responding to him and what they were saying to him. You know, who are you? We know you. You're just Joseph's son. That's all you are. You know. And what about our fathers? That's more important to us. Our traditions. You know, everything that we kept. They they didn't want to turn away from that. It seems as you read it. And. Uh, and that's true people in religion they don't want to leave it because that's all they know right and you know not necessarily i'm not saying that people have to leave their religion but i'm saying the bible doesn't teach that the bible doesn't teach religion it teaches a relationship with jesus christ and these people didn't and that's what jesus was speaking to them about here is an intimacy knowing him you know where where you're making him lord of your life the master of your life, where you're saying, Lord, I'm, where you, you know, where you pray to him and, and you seek him and you say, what do you want me to do with my life? Where do you want me to go? Where do you need to be? You know, how do you want me to be? Again, and it's, I mean, the scripture's clear that not everybody's going to be called to be an evangelist or a pastor or missionary. And, you know, that, that's a few, there's few of those in the world by number anyway, you know what I mean? When you consider you know, the big picture. So, yeah, I think that, uh, I think it's plain when you read this that they, you know, they, they, they were set in their ways and they didn't want to change. They did like what Jesus was doing from a miracle standpoint. They did like that he could feed them, he could fill their bellies, what he could do for them physically. But they didn't want to commit their whole lives lives to him to be consumed with him as he's calling them to, you know, to where they say, you're the Lord of my life. They wanted a political king. They wanted somebody that was going to, you know, make politics better for them, you know. So anyway, I'm not seeing any more comments come in. We will see you all next time. God bless. <laughs>